everybody, welcome to Future Break. My name is Peter Adal, co-host... Serge. Sushchik. <laughs> there we go. And uh, we are excited to do this. This is something Serge and I were talking about, and we wanted to do a podcast. Well, he had a goal doing a podcast. I've done podcasts before. And we wanted to create this intro episode to talk about what Future Break's going to be about a little bit so yeah like you know i just came up to peter and i'm like dude we need to do a podcast (laughs) and literally about 40 minutes later we're here we are so we we like to kind of talk about different things and and a lot of it has to do with future and 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 also the past and like how history ties into the future and things like that so absolutely pretty excited about it yeah and uh we have some varying different different backgrounds man yeah this is one of the things that really caught my attention yeah meeting you so okay tell me about your background oh i'll tell you about my background okay so i was um i'm 31 and i was born in a town called grafton north dakota up by canada basically in the united states um and yeah i grew up pretty typical midwest uh, family. Um, I lived primarily in Rochester, Minnesota most of my life. And then I eventually came out here to Sioux Falls due to marrying the love of my life. Um, she was going to school out here and we, we settled down here. And we have three kids. A four-year-old boy, a two-year-old girl, and a seventh-month-year-old girl now as well. So, and we're done. We're, we're, <laughs> You're done done? We're done. We're done done. Done. Awesome. At least hoping. So, um, but yeah, and... Um, I don't know, like an only child, that's my background, but what I love to do, what I love is I love future stuff, I love technology, I'm a marketing guy, I love that type of stuff, and obviously technology plays a huge impact in marketing, especially digital marketing is what my expertise is in, so, but yeah, that's my background, what about you, man? Yeah, so (laughs) I I grew up on the other side of the world, (laughs) I was born and uh, and raised for the first couple of years of my life in a small city called Novovolinsk. It's in Ukraine. Um, basically, like Sarah Palin said, I can see Russia from my border. <laughs> I could see Poland from my from my house. Uh, we were like six miles away from the Polish border, so um, you know we grew up in born in the Soviet Union. Really, that's kind of the the interesting thing that that uh, Peter and I talk about a lot is man Soviet I just Union right? over this like <laughs> here I was born in the middle of like <laughs> the United States and you were born on behind the Iron Curtain yeah yeah so that was you know it was, it was different different upbringing different um, mentality different kinds of things like that and uh, we emigrated here in 1993. Um, came struck, uh, direct, directly to Sioux Falls and then from basically grew up here so I have kind of a benefit of having both the Ukrainian Soviet um, schooling instruction and and the uh, you know American school system so Just, and then uh, yeah went to Seattle got married to the love of my life um, fun fact Peter she was born in the same city, <laughs> in the same hospital as I was, and I did not know her there. Which is crazy for you to be born on the other side of the world, kind of, right? and, and now end up being married in 
in America. Yeah, so. so that's like our love story, and we um, we met in we met in Seattle, and uh, after that we had our we had our little guy Ben, and moved back to Sioux Falls, where I'm from, um, and yeah, so now we work together, and my background is a lot in um, I had a decent sales background, then moved over to product design and UX, and mm. that's kind of what I really love doing and figuring out things, and and then now I'm working on project management and just kind of weaving that into my life so yeah which which is awesome totally. I, what i think is here's also a difference between and this is why we like we like talking to each other partly because it's so curious for me because i'm i think th- i want to say i'm third no i think i might even be fourth generation fourth generation in the United States. Really? Okay. And you are first. Yeah. Technically, right? Well. Kind of. No, I'm not even first generation. Because my son is first generation. That's true. So I'm like. Okay, then I would be third. I'm an actual immigrant. Then I would be third if we're going along those okay. lines, I think. Oh, I think I'd be yeah. third. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I had it easy. Yeah. I had it easy. Yeah. You know, and I, I kind of. Uh, it is interesting. Um, I think for me, kind of uh, basically getting back into, you know, my background in Ukraine. Right. And getting raised there and how things were and then acclimating into the American lifestyle, which which happened pretty quick here. I mean, I learned English probably in about two months. And this is 1993? 93, yeah. So, like, you wow. have kind of no choice. You just, you know, you're in school and they, they say all these phrases and you're you have no choice but to learn them and so i think kids have it a lot easier than like adults coming from a different country so you did not know did you know any english funny story man i in ukraine they start teaching second languages like first grade so i was learning english in first grade so which is not a bad idea yeah it's a pretty good idea um i learned i know i knew it i know i knew the alphabet and like i could say like hello my name is serge and, and all that stuff but um on the airplane, I remember as we're flying from Moscow to New York. Oh my word! Oh my word! <laughs> just those two words together. Just... Moscow to yeah, like this is just Moscow to New York. Collapse of Soviet Union, and we were like in the back of the plane, and this was the time when they still had smoking. On oh yeah, planes. Do you remember that? <laughs> <laughs> so it was like we're sitting there, immigrants. We're like huddled together. We don't know a lick of English. And we have all these bags and, and just kids all over the place, and it's like, okay. And so I remember I would ask the, uh, my parents would ask, hey, we want some more like food or some snacks. <laughs> so I had to ask the flight attendant for peanuts. And so that was the only thing I remember like asking them for, you know, like nuts and things like that. Wait, so did you know the word peanuts? Peanuts? Uh, <laughs> yes. I think I kind of uh, pantomime some of it too, like, uh, you know, you put it in your mouth. <laughs> And some of it was just oh. like, oh, peanuts, and then I could read it, so. So, my question is, and I don't know if you remember this process at all, because I'm guessing your your parents were the ones doing most of the, like, talking with the officials when you landed, but, yeah. but like, were they, were they, um, I don't want to say hospitable, but, like, were they questioning, were they, I don't I mean, I don't know, like. Yeah, ninety three fall Soviet Union. Trying to figure out what's going on. I'm trying to think what America was like. Yeah. Um, from what I remember, more like more of the hostility was on the 
the Russian side, you know, because they, they, at that point, the, the borders were really open for people to emigrate, and a lot of people were leaving, so they were, you had to go through these, um, you know, interviews, like, we would, it took us two years to get our documents in, in order to actually be able to travel to, to America, so. Two years. Two years, yeah. So my parents went to Moscow a few times to, they had like a formal interview process and, and, and really how it happened is, uh, we have a relative, we had a relative that came here yep. and a few years after they lived here, they're able to then call over other relatives. So they kind of submitted the documents and that's how the whole process really started. So um, it was almost four years then from when you had a yeah, relative yeah, come here? Okay. Yeah, pretty much. Wow. It was about four years. Um, and so... The hostility was really on the um, on the on the Russian side because we were we were technically a refugee status. Um, we were leaving for a lot of our like faith um, faith reasons. Yeah, and really that's where the, a lot of the hostility was at. But we can talk about that more at a, another podcast. Yeah. But um, I remember coming here and like this is a vivid memory. We came to New York City, and uh, we. You know, we never saw, like, we saw a bunch of different races now. Like, we never saw, for example, black people or Asians because we just never had that exposure there in Ukraine or even in Moscow. So, we saw our first kind of racially diverse, you know, scene, I guess, really? in, in America. Yeah. Wow. In the bus. Um, I remember that. That was that was a ride we took from the airplane, airport to, um, we went to a hotel and we were, like, on totally different time zone and we... You know, we were supposed to sleep, but then we were just so fascinated with America. We, right. We dared not come out of our hotel room, but there was, like, a gang of kids that were outside in the parking lot somewhere, and they were, like, listening to music and laughing, and I remember I would, like, open the window and just, like, stare, and I'm like, oh, my gosh. Like, <laughs> this is so weird. This is so foreign, but it felt so fresh to me as, at the same time, so... Um, yeah, it's, it's kind of a cool intro well, to America. You know what? Let me ask you on that um, Do you Did you ever experience anything like that of seeing, uh, like, okay, good grief. It sounds completely stupid to think, oh, did you ever see kids laughing in Ukraine? That's not what I'm talking about. But, like, an environment like that where they're just... You know, um, listening or having fun like that. I mean, I don't know. I, I'm just kind of kind curious. of, kind of like I. For the most part, Ukraine and Russia and like Soviet Union, really in general, were a lot more, you know, strict. I guess. Yeah. Like, if you're out at night, you're doing bad things. Okay. You know, and here it was just a bunch of friends that were just hanging out. Just hanging out. I don't yeah. know what they were doing, but right. Yeah. It was totally okay, and like, you know authorities weren't going to stop them and like break it up you know? it was it was like it was it was different it was like it was second nature yeah yeah, yeah. like nobody nobody questioned anything exactly. and you're just like yeah this would not be happening back yeah. home and i'm just like wow this is just so weird this is so weird and, and they were out for i remember for a very long time and i was just like mesmerized by the whole you know the whole encounter there so oh man yeah but i'm excited peter this is true. And this is why I'm so glad to do this with Serge because there's parts of, there's things to talking with Serge that I've recently realized that I mean I've I've taken for granted. Um, 
And in many ways, you actually just being going through the East Coast and West Coast type of things. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, Seattle, New York. Yeah. Um, it's not that I've never been out there, never visited that. I have done that. I, I still don't even have that necessarily mindset. I have a mindset mostly from like the Heartland region. Yeah, totally. Because I've lived here most of my life. Um, that being said, when you talk about, you know, Soviet Union, when I went over to Eastern Europe in, um, boy, what was that, 2006, wow, is that 10 years ago now? That's crazy. <laughs> yeah. So, and, you know, this is one thing that we wanted to discuss a little bit, but just when it comes to transportation and things like that, you talked about flying here and what that was like with yeah. smoke and all this stuff. I know, right? Um, when I was there, and I, I understand this now a little bit, looking back on history, like the Soviet Union, it took it it took care of things. Like money came from the Soviet Union to fix infrastructure, if I'm not mistaken, a little bit, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's still country a little yeah. bit, right? But, yeah, like they, they were, at that time, I mean, they were really flirting with, with, um, with capitalism more and, and, you know, like perestroika, which means basically rebuilding, if you translate it. Okay. That was kind of the, the the buzzword around that time, and a lot of it was rebuilding the economy and, and starting to privatize some of that stuff. So, um, and now it's like, you know, the, there's some countries that are heavy on the government runs everything. The, there's a pothole; the government's going to fix it. There's, um, you know, a you need energy, the government's going to provide that for you regardless. Right. And some countries are kind of a mix. Like, you know, U.S. is a good mix. We have... Government does a lot of the municipal things, like roads, and then... Water, things like that. You know, that. yeah. And then we privatize some things. Like, can you imagine a government-run airline? Like, that wow. would be like $10,000 a ticket, probably. <laughs> It'd be crazy. Or somebody else would pay for it and be really cheap. Right. So, like, government is, you know, half-subsidized Amtrak. So, Amtrak... Oh yeah. Taxpayers are paying money for every person that takes an Amtrak ride. Even, Amtrak, though, even though I'm in. Yeah, like well, it comes middle. out of the government, you know, budget right, or whatever. That's true, yeah. So, it, it's kind of a crazy thought. I mean, that Amtrak hasn't really been. That's the capital and things like that. Yeah, or, but they haven't been really profitable, like in a sense of, you know, we're 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 first and foremost a capitalist country, capitalist economy. And, like, we can't have our trains... <laughs> Not making money. Exactly. But I think there's a lot of there's a lot of things that involve in that. And, like, well, I was showing you earlier today, the maglev trains in Japan. Yeah. That's, what is going on nuts, there, man? man? Japan is, like... So think about it. Japan is a volcanic set of islands that is very earthquake-prone, but they're building these... I mean, 600 kilometers an hour is what we saw today, right? That was yeah. a, that was a record, which is 373 miles an hour for a train. Jeez. For a train, man. So can you imagine, like, just thinking about that? Like, oh, we have to consider earthquakes. We have to consider this. And so they're really pushing the boundaries. And, and these trains are, um, they're maglev, so that means magnetic levitation. So they levitate, they don't even, like touch a rail they just levitate on which magnets made me realize it'd probably be a whole lot smoother ride than in train oh yeah past. yeah yeah so. once they get you know once they get up to speed it's it's a it's a pretty smooth ride is, is kind of what i've seen but like 
why aren't we doing that here, you know? And granted, Japan is a very small country compared to the U.S. Right. And, you know, the they don't have to worry about... Um, they don't have to worry about, like, you know, this huge expanse of, of land that's not accessible or, or that is, you know, well, just, just a huge swath of land, I guess. I don't know. And that actually brings up a great point, because, like, in... There's this independence concept, I think, here in America. Yeah. Right? Yep. Oh, yeah. So, um, I mean, you and I right now are riding in my car. This is my car. You know what? In all reality, I am five miles from my house. Could a train get me here probably in a quicker time frame than what it takes me every morning? Maybe. I don't know. but Yeah. But, you know, I think part of it is, like, our cities are set up in such a different way. That's true. Two, that we trains are just not feasible unless you're like in the Northeast Corridor or in, let's say, Southern California. And that, like, okay, so I'm kind of, I've done a little bit of research on the Southern Cal, um, the high speed train project they want to do there. Okay. And yeah. that's a monstrosity, man. <laughs> They're spending like billion, like, I don't know, I think it was $50 billion. I have to go back on that figure, but. That train is going to run at half the speed that a maglev train is running at. And it's going to be like two times more expensive. It's just a stupid, stupid thing to do. And, you know, I'm thinking California, relatively flat. You know, there's obviously mountains everywhere. But you can you can get a maglev train to go a lot quicker and a lot further instead of, you know, wasting money on building this thing that's already essentially out, out of date. Well, is it is it because we're having to retrofit all these yeah retro, like, retrofit cities? Yeah. Well, and the, we can't make the jump. Well, like maybe Japan could. I just don't think it's a wise investment of of technology. Like that mm. tech is maglev is the way to go. Like that's just the new that that future. You know, before we before we get to hyperloop, that's another interesting thing, right? Yeah. But, thank you, thank you, Elon. Thank Musk. you, Elon Musk. Yes, but. Um, maglev is like, you know, it, they've done so many studies on it. It's been around since like the eighties, you know, if, if not earlier than that, but it's really the, the, the future. So why are we investing in the technology that granted it's good right now, it's still going to be miles behind what the Japanese and what, you know, the Chinese are doing and, and all that kind of stuff. So, and, and just the, the money that we're pouring into this thing, is just ridiculous. This is crazy. <sighs> Makes it's, you think, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, it does make you think. And um, I think when it comes to, you know, and, and I, and actually, this is why I think this is a good conversation to have here, is there's a lot of people, let's say, on the East and West that talk about this. Yeah. But this is like the heartland Midwest, and there's yeah. a different level mentality overall totally. here, right? Totally, yeah. If I start talking to people here, and I'm a firm believer that uh, I used to say 15 years, and, I, and then I'm like probably 10. God, man, I think it's going to be sooner than that now, like five. Who knows? There's a part of me that just thinks you and I are going to be sitting in Ubers watching virtual reality on our way to work. 
Yeah, as, as, we're living in our virtual reality well, world, and the AI is going to be driving us. You know, right? Autom- yeah, autonomous driving. So and this guy, totally. you know, and I'm not even going to have a driver. I'm just going to have my car scheduled to pick me up when yeah, I want to. Totally. So, and and thinking along that lines, I mean, you talk to people here, and given there's people all across the country that are like this, but you know, um, you know, like I would dare say there's this. There's the attitude of, I think, of progress like that. And there's also this attitude of independence that we talked about earlier, yeah. right? Yeah. And I think there's something there that I also don't, I say, like the thought of giving up. I don't totally, know. Yeah. And what about my kids? My four year old boy, I mean, if he, by the time of some of his like earliest memories, I don't know. If I'm a ride in the back with him, is that a better family experience than what it used to be? I don't know. Well, you miss out. I think you're going to miss out. Like, do you remember when, when your dad or your mom taught you how to drive? Do you remember that? Yes, I do. Yeah. That was That's that a was the strangest moment, moment of my life because my dad, it was the winter in yeah. like January, and I got on the free, I stuck me on the freeway <laughs> right away. And I'm scared out of my mind. Throw you to the wind. And he's telling me, you need to drive faster. <laughs> faster. You're going to get rear-ended if you don't <laughs> keep slowing down like this. And that was just... Uh, I mean, right. And there's a family memory in that. And But here's the argument with that. And this is where I think... I, I don't necessarily like this argument. I can see some of the validity. But is it not going to be safer to have AI driving us? In the mindset, outside of any, like, oh, tampering or any weird jazz like that, but, like... It will once everyone is on it. Once on, once everyone is autonomous, and whether that's a, you know, new cars or that's a mandate from the government, like, okay, now you guys have to install this $5,000, you know, retrofit to your car, to your 1987, you know, Ford pickup. Like, there's going to be people that are just not going to be happy with that. You know? Oh, retrofit your car. Well, yeah. Like, what, what are you going to do with all these old True. cars? Well, I, you know, it's funny. I was thinking about, like, some of the mentality here is, I mean, this, and this is probably true of some of these other towns in the Midwest, but, like, I want my Chevy truck, man. Yeah. yeah. I want my Chevy truck. Exactly. I don't care. I don't, I, I'll never use it for, like, the advertised purposes of hauling boulders and, like, You're right. I just want know, to come whatever. to work in my Chevy truck. Totally. Totally. So, like, think about There's that. There's a sense of pride and ownership with cars and I will be honest, I'm the guy who's like, just get me to point A to point B. Yeah. But, but that, but, and I, and I actually appreciate that. I like, I like that mentality. Like, man, my truck, this is, yeah. this is, <laughs> I was kind of like, when I was growing up, I didn't participate in the, like the racer culture. Much, yeah, that's but true. A lot of my friends did. And like, that was cool too, where, you know, like you'll pull up to a stop sign and you just kind of rev your engine. And now you're like, you know, you can peel out and you could do all these burnouts and all these things. And, you know, in a way it was, it was a culture thing that was happening in the, in the like mid to late nineties. And, and, um, now you pull up on a Tesla, you don't even hear it. Oh my word. You know, and then when you punch it, you're like, oh, I can totally feel that. But you, you kind of miss it. the, you miss the, the vroom of the engine. The, yeah. The vroom of the engine. You also miss like, I know a lot of my friends, I mean, they still to this day will like, will put tons of money into aftermarket parts, you know, souping up their turbos and all these sort of things. And now like cars will, cars are basically, I mean, 
it's more software than it is hardware nowadays. Right. Right. And you and I both have friends who work in the automotive business. Yep. Totally. Right? And um, I've talked with my friend about this a little bit, and I just, you know, because he owns a tire store that's a full service repair shop too, type thing. But, but, uh, like, when maybe not completely our generation, I feel like there's still going to be that hold. But as the new generation comes along, and even in like cities on the east and west coast, there's a lot of people, even in our of our age, that are just they're riding Ubers, they're riding scooters to work, and yeah. all this type of jazz, yeah. right? They don't yeah. have the need for a car like we we have here. Like my wife and I, five fam- five family, we have two cars. Three, you have two cars, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's just one of those things. Like it's almost like a staple. You have two cars. Some people have three. Some people even have four here. Yeah. And so what that thing about that then if you start decreasing that or you start having people slowly adopt into I'm just going to use Uber and rent a car as mm-hmm. needed the ownership changes from you as an individual into more of like a fleet and yeah. we talked about this with AI and Uber yeah. on yeah. A, just outside of this conversation and it's been very intriguing so um, yeah I think the um the Ubers of the world and even, I don't know, even to a certain degree, like the Teslas, they want, they don't want you to own the car anymore. They want it to be, that's true. In a way it's like you're, you are renting the car for an hourly basis rather than owning it. And there's a lot of things that make sense about that too. Like you don't have to worry about filling up. You don't have to worry about maintenance. You don't have to worry about, you know, a thousand things that go wrong with the car. Like you just, Remember this this couple couple weeks ago you blew out your heater, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like that's not fun, right? Well, how do I say this? The heater wasn't working and then it wasn't until like okay, I can't wait it's any longer. It's probably not ethical to leave your kids with a cold heater, <laughs> exactly. right? So, exactly. But you had to worry about that. And instead, you know, the Uber will tell you, Hey, just just rent a car, just tap a button, we'll we'll come pick you up, or the car will drive itself to you and then you can go wherever you need to and then i know it's it's so crazy yeah i think it kind of removes the spontaneity in life because now everything has to be in a way like pre-scheduled or predetermined like oh i need you to pick me up at five o'clock or 507 and that's that's fine but like i don't know sometimes you just want to go and go on a drive do you ever do that totally I, and i think about some people I knew were like, I just want to drive up to the Canadian border just for the, you know, the heck of it. Yeah. And, and not go to Canada? And not go to Canada. Because who'd, I mean, no, no. Canada, <laughs> yeah. right? Canadian listeners. Just kidding. We love, we love you. you guys. We love you. Just kidding. We love you. Seriously, we do. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I, that, I don't know. That's... You know, and maybe this is maybe this is a jumping off point because I actually feel like this is a, a bigger question about renting versus owning in a sense. Yeah. That uh, we can maybe talk about in the next one. Yeah. So if you're okay with it, maybe this will change. But in the next episode, maybe we should talk about just the concept of renting versus owning when yeah. it comes to home ownership and things like that. Totally. Yeah. And I think that are probably going to be changing. Yeah. And as more people, because everything we've talked about here, we talked a little about this prior to the podcast, but there's this concept. This concept of, oh boy, comfort, convenience, yeah. 
and I think the third thing here is time. Yeah. That really is going to impact a lot of decisions moving forward. Yeah. Um, and uh, and I feel like we're kind of we've been touching on these three a little bit because speed of a train getting us to where we want to in time, yeah. the comfort of it, no bumps, all this type of stuff. How that's advanced. There's all these different things with the rise of Uber. You know, having somebody like be our chauffeur, but it's AI eventually. Yeah. Or yeah. already, in some cases, weirdly enough. Um, yeah, I think AI is all around us, and we we don't even notice it anymore. And and like like Apple, like for example, in their their text messaging, like you get your when you're typing a message to somebody, you get, you know, you get the word that tells you here's what you should here's what the next word should be the suggestion the suggestions. Right. So a lot of that from what I heard is that it's using AI to understand the context of what you're typing and building that and making it smarter. And like, I remember I, I text, somebody was texting me for, Hey, can you give me your address? I'm like, sure. My address is, and then when I hit address, it already knew, okay, here's my home and here's my work. Really? Tap. Done. I didn't know that. It's awesome. Okay. And it's of course all linked to, to the Apple maps, Apple, Apple maps. you know? Yeah. So it's like, of course you, you just remove a lot of these barriers. And I think the home thing, definitely the ownership and the, like the automation. Cause I just bought a house too recently yeah. this year. And the automation stuff is just like, just making me super interested in the future of what that looks like. So I think we can talk about that in the next episode and uh, yeah. 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 Anyways, thanks for tuning in, everybody. Um, truly appreciate it. Um, this is the first episode of the yeah. future, future break, future break podcast. It's been awesome, man. And um, uh, yeah, and uh, we hope you enjoyed it. Yeah, take care, guys. Take care.